Listen. Think. Discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. And welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of Bob Bernie Live. Thank you for joining me. My telephone number is 877-BOB-LIVE, 877-262-5483. Some of you know a little bit about my perspective on um, segregation, integration, and so forth. Um, I have a somewhat different perspective than maybe some of you, Uh, probably first because of my age. I'm probably a little bit older than most of you in my audience. Uh, but then secondly, um, my my childhood and my, uh, my teen years, I watched integration from a front row seat. Uh, grew up in a uh, completely white neighborhood. Um, we, I'm not sure why we moved a lot when I was a kid. Um, by the time I got to first grade, we had already moved three times. And then in second grade, we moved. And then in sixth grade, we moved. And then my senior year in high school, we moved again. Uh, but. I grew up in completely white neighborhoods in Southern California until uh, sixth grade. In sixth grade, my family moved to Compton, California. Now, if you don't know much about California, you probably know the name Compton. Of course, there's the movie Straight Out of Compton and so forth. Uh, At one time, Compton was the murder capital of America. I don't know whether it is now or not. But when we moved to Compton, when I was in sixth grade, it was predominantly white and a smattering of Hispanic. Uh, Very few black kids. That would be very, very rare. Uh, That was sixth grade. Seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, ninth grade, uh, almost completely white. My junior high school uh, in California during that time, junior high school was seventh, eighth, and ninth. High school was 10th, 11th, and 12th. So uh, in ninth grade, busing began in Southern California. It was just beginning, and there were a tiny little handful of black kids. Then high school came. Uh, Tenth grade at Dominguez High School in Compton, California, I would say that in tenth grade, the racial makeup was probably 80% white, 10% black, 10% Hispanic. And then busing really got into high gear. My junior year at Dominguez High School in Compton, California, the racial makeup was probably 50% white, 
25% black, 25% Hispanic. So we white kids were still the majority. And again, about 25% black, probably 25% Hispanic. The very next year, my senior year, the racial makeup was probably 60% black, 20% white, 20% Hispanic. Uh, In Compton, it was the beginning of white flight. The white families were beginning to move out because uh, the Hispanic families, black families were moving in. <clears throat> and I'm I'm not taking a position on the morality of that. I am just simply reporting what happened. Uh, my senior year, by the time my senior year ended, uh, I, as a white kid, was in the minority. And um, basketball games, I could attend the basketball games as a white kid. Football games, uh uh-uh, no. The white kids didn't dare go to a football game uh, because most of the schools that we played were predominantly black schools. And uh, to be just candid and honest, the white kids weren't safe. And I don't know that I attended, I may have attended one football game my senior year. Attended basketball, and and by the way, we had a terrible football team. We had a really good basketball team. We had a terrible football team. But anyway, I watched integration. I watched busing and so forth. Through that... Uh, I really learned, because of the church that I was a member of, and my parents, I learned to love all people. And not to be prejudiced, not to be bigoted. Um, I really learned to love all people. And I had probably an equal number of black friends as white friends, and um, that that was the neighborhood. Um, I watched the incredible progress that was made from the days of segregation to real equality. Now, being in Southern California, I did not remember black drinking fountains or black uh, lunch counters. I, I never saw that. I did see racial tension. Um, I think it was my junior year in high school. I'd have to go back and check. But you've heard of the Watts riots. Dozens and dozens of buildings burned to the ground. Many, many people hurt and injured. Some of the worst race riots in American history were the Watts riots. And they weren't across the street from my house. But I could see the smoke from my house, Um, and that was in Compton. It was kind of on the other side of Compton from where we were. And I I watched the the tense mood as integration took place. Uh, The year after I graduated, 
Um, I believe someone was killed at lunch at my school because of a race riot that broke out on campus. I know people were seriously injured. I, I am not positive that someone died, but I know people were injured. That was a year after I graduated. Those were tense days. The 60s. The mid-60s, the late-60s, the early-70s, and then, of course, there were the riots concerning Vietnam and all that. Those were tempestuous times. I look back on those days, and then fast-forward to today and realize the incredible progress that we have made. I mean, the unbelievable progress that we have made. But here's what breaks my heart. We're going backwards. That progress that was made, and people literally died. People like Martin Luther King Jr. and others died to bring about racial equality and the death of things like the the KKK, bigotry, racism. And it's not gone, but we're seeing a new rise of racism and even segregation. And we are beginning to go backwards and lose the progress that was won by not only tears, but by blood. I have a reason why I want to bring this to your attention today. And I'll share that with you when we return. Today's news, God's Word, and your thoughts. This is Bob Bernie Live. Now, I've lived on this planet probably longer than most of you. We got some old people in the audience. But um, again, I'm probably older than the majority of you, certainly not all. And I I lived through the racial strife of the 60s. And I don't want to go back. As a white person, I do not want to go back to where black people were considered second-class citizens and not worthy of love or support and where bigotry was running wild, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the days of segregation. I don't want to go back. But we're moving in that direction. But sadly, today, the Talk of segregation and bigotry and separation is not coming from the white community. It's coming from the black community and white 
leftist progressives. For the last several years, we have seen major American universities with segregated graduation. What? Segregation. I thought that was over. I thought that was bad. I thought that was evil. I thought we fought hard to end segregation. Now, several major universities had black-only graduation, Asian-only graduation, Hispanic-only graduation. We fought hard to end white-only dormitories. And rightfully so. We fought hard to end white-only sororities and fraternities. And yet there are college campuses today that have black-only dormitories, black-only student centers. When we think about the days of segregation and how people were treated simply because of the color of their skin. We should all be appalled. But it's happening again. Here's the headline that prompted this little rampage. White students are prohibited from applying to this UNC fellowship. What is that? That's the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The University of North Carolina. By the way, uh, UNC, the University of North Carolina, and Harvard University uh, have cases before the Supreme Court of the United States over prejudicial treatment of Asian students. So, UNC, University of North Carolina, and Harvard are already being charged with discrimination. Well, let me read the story so I don't misrepresent anything. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, whose affirmative action program, along with that of Harvard, is under review by the Supreme Court, sponsors the Fellowship for Exploring Research in Nutrition, which accepts applications exclusively from, and I quote, students who are black, indigenous, or people of color. This is straight from the website of the Fellowship for Exploring Research in Nutrition. Again, quoting, The field of nutrition is overwhelmingly comprised of white researchers. Increased BIPOC, people of color, increased BIPOC representation in food policy research is critical for developing effective, equitable, comprehensive, and culturally competent policies that address nutrition-related health disparities. In other words, white kids need not apply. You are not welcome because of the color of your skin. 
An organization called Students for Fair Admissions released this statement. It is indisputable this UNC student research program is racially exclusive and therefore is in violation of our nation's civil rights laws, says Students for Fair Admissions. Uh, The program is similar to other minority-only fellowships, such as Pfizer's Breakthrough Fellowship, that has also been hit with discrimination lawsuits in the past year. Um, Students for Fair Admission are filing lawsuits at several universities around the country that have programs, fellowships, etc., that exclude someone, not because of their academic credentials, but simply because of the color of their skin. This new racism, this new bigotry, this new segregation is not coming from the KKK. It's not coming from the far right. It is not coming from white supremacists, white nationalists. This is coming from the progressive left. And it is every bit as evil as the KKK. We as a society came together and concluded the KKK and groups like it are despicable. We need to come together with the same conclusion about some of the segregationist groups on the left. <laughs> 